This is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. What brings you joy in work? What gives you purpose? What makes a good job good? These are the questions that President Barack Obama asks in the fascinating docuseries Working, What We Do All Day. Join us as we talk with director Caroline Sue about the ways in which we find meaning in our work and how our experiences and struggles connect us on a human level, be it an entry-level home care worker in Mississippi or former president of the United States. Stay tuned. Caroline Sue, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? They're great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a, it's an honor to have you on. We're talking about um, the new Netflix docuseries that uh, is releasing, or we're recording this beforehand, but you most of you will hear this afterwards. I think it's releasing on May 17th. It's Working, What We Do All Day. And so welcome again to Factual America. It's great to have you on, and congratulations on getting this project made and, and on to Netflix. Thank you very much. It's been a long time in the making, so it's good that it's finally getting out there. I think if anyone who sees this will appreciate that comment even more. I think uh, it was quite a, you took a lot on in doing this, uh, in this, this project. But maybe for most of our listeners and viewers will not have uh, seen this yet. So uh, what is Working What We Do All Day all about? So it's really um, a documentary series that um, is inspired by um, Studs Terkel's book, um, Working, which is about kind of what life is like for everyday people from all walks of life. And uh, kind of taking that inspiration um, at a time when things are really changing for a lot of people and people don't know what the future looks like. So it's, you know, we're trying to give people an idea of what life looks like and what it will look like and some, um, you know, in, in a way that's very human and intimate. Okay. And how did this project come about? I mean, I, you, we know that uh, maybe in our intro, people have heard that uh, President Obama is involved in this, in this project. He certainly uh, uh, narrates the series. Uh, was it, I mean, whose idea was this? How did this uh, come about? So, um, you know, I think the president had been interested in this subject of work and, you know, um, his life's work has certainly been about jobs and um, helping people lead kind of better lives. And um, Davis Guggenheim, who's the head of the production company, they they came together and decided they wanted to do a series about it. And then the, um, I was reached out to um uh by someone who worked at Concordia who said oh it's a series about work and i said mm, i'm not really interested <laughs> who wants to watch something about work when they get home from work um and then he said oh it's with uh president obama and then i immediately said yes that sounds okay. great um so yeah so it was you know when we started out we had no idea how we wanted the series to be what mm -hmm. it would be um, and we just kind of dove in. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, so how do you approach a series about work? I mean, like you said, you're initially were wary, but then you find out President Obama's involved. And uh, yeah. But how do you make it, I mean, because how do you make it into a fascinating docuseries as, as you've had? Yeah, it's, you know, we basically kind of set out to figure out what 
what is work? Like, how do we look at it? What are the important mm-hmm. things to kind of understand about work? What are, you know, trends? What are, you know, what do economists say about work? What do right. sociologists say about work? So, um, you know, it's a ginormous subject. And what we realize kind of early on is that work is really the center of life for most people including myself. I mean, it's where people make friends or it's where people, you spend a lot of your life is at work and working. Um, it's where people meet their spouses. It's like, you know, it's where a center. I met mine. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Do you still work with her? Is she in the studio somewhere? No, no, we don't work together, but we did years ago in a, one of our <laughs> yeah. first jobs. Yeah. So that was at probably at a time when you could actually meet your spouse at work. Now, exactly. It's a little, exactly. Hard, it's a little trickier, but um, yeah. So, you know, just trying to get our minds around this very kind of amorphous subject and what, you know, what would a series about work say and and what would be interesting about it. So, you know, we did just a ton of research about the future of work and some various yeah, things and he's, that I mean, um, it's, it, the president as you say, thought it's would a keen, be interesting. It's a keen interest of his. Uh-huh. And, um, and yet you, I mean, as you said, it's such a ginormous subject. And also, you gotta you gotta make this interesting for a uh, for an audience. I mean, you end up focusing on three key sectors, don't you? That's one one way you've kind of boiled it down. And uh, what is it? Tech services and and home care, I think it is. And and why these three? Uh, well, we wanted to. I mean, you know, we we felt like if we had this opportunity to make the series, it had to be very relevant. So those are three. Um, sectors of the future. So a lot of people will find that the jobs that are available to them will be in the, in one of those sectors. Um, so, you know, we wanted to give people kind of a behind the scenes look at what these jobs of the future look like. Um, and it's also because a lot of the other jobs that we think of are just disappearing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the themes that we kind of set out you know, exploring is automation and AI and, you know, what jobs are going to be come outmoded and what are like great jobs of the future. So um, that's how we came to our driverless car story. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I mean, you've got, and that's the other thing you, uh, so focus on three key areas of work, but then uh, you also look at uh, in terms of place and the companies you focused on because it's three companies and three different, mostly in three different parts of the of the United States. I mean, how did you go about the, uh, identifying those companies and deciding to focus on them? You know, I used to describe it as being like a Sudoku puzzle where you're like you're figuring out the top and you're also figuring out what happens when right. you add things up in the bottom. But it really is more like it was more like a Rubik's Cube, just like so many variables and trying to weigh everything against each other. And like if we do this, is this place too similar? So eventually we were able to kind of narrow it down to industries and cities and kind of put them together. I mean, in terms of locations, we wanted places that were kind of evocative of like America's Mm -hmm. past and like the working past and Mm -hmm. um, places where you might see those kind of historical underpinnings like today. Um, And it's not really super overt, but it's kind of there. So. No, I think it's, I think it's, I think it was brilliantly done. I mean, you've got, uh, so for our listeners who've not seen this yet, we're talking about Pittsburgh, which is a, 
area that's, uh, I don't say completely, but largely reinvented itself. I mean, uh, most Americans of a certain age will think of it as uh, steel mills and things, but it's far from that. And I've never been, but I've heard it's it's a lovely place and it's really changed. And I love your dog in the background. Oh, yeah, I have a giant dog who will be listening <laughs> in on the interview. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. It won't be the first dog to make an appearance. <laughs> um, I was in New York City and then you've got, and then Mississippi, which I, I found, uh, I really found that interesting. Um, yeah, Mississippi is an interesting place. One thing that we learned, like a little factoid that I thought was fascinating was that um, it used to be the richest state in the union. And now right. it's the poorest. And I had never even, you know, I think people think of Mississippi usually as, you know, not thriving, yeah. which is true. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, so it's interesting to see how a place can go up and down depending on what kind of industries or, um, you know, yeah. economy. And then, I mean, okay, so it's going to sound like you can tell I've got an, maybe I have an economics and business background as well, but uh, you also focus on three, I, I like the three types of companies. So you've got, I mean, a word I haven't used in a long time, but like a conglomerate, literally, in, in Tata. And then you've got um, Aurora, which was a startup. It's more than a startup now, but it is an, an up and coming. And then you've got uh, this small, medium-sized in enterprise. That's, uh, is it Mississippi Home Care? That's the other... Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and so so very. I mean, uh, it's 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 very much a great case study approach to this that you've you've got. Not, I don't know if that was your intention, but it is very much like you've got a lot of you know a uh, lot represented there in terms of what what the kind of places people are working. Yeah, we definitely tried to um, kind of you know back up the series with as much research as possible and then yeah. hope that it kind of fell away with the actual characters who we were following and yeah. you know, people who we were spending time with. So we did have all of these prerequis prerequisites, like we wanted to do a tech company. We wanted to, be, we wanted to do mm -hmm. something about like kind of how a city gets reinvented and who gets left out. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, Mississippi has a long history of, um, exclusion. I mean, that's not the story we were telling, but that definitely has an effect on, you know, jobs there today. Um, and then New York was actually, we were supposed to film in uh, Mumbai at the Taj Hotel, which is a famous Tata Hotel. Right. Um, but because of COVID, we traveling abroad was kind of just a no-go. So we um, pivoted and we shot at the pier, which ended up being great for us. Yeah. And I think, um, and in some ways, probably good too, because it ends up all three locations are in the U.S. I mean, not that this is only, a, you know, it has an appeal well beyond U.S. audiences, obviously, but it, it kind of it kind of squares the circle, if you will, that all of them are yes. in the U.S. Yeah, it's um, a little bit neater. And, um, and I live in New York, so it was very convenient <laughs> for me. <laughs> You're probably thinking, why hadn't you thought of that? Early, exactly. Sooner. Why, yeah, yeah. why don't I ever shoot in New York? This is yeah, exactly. I mean, and you have an incredible level of access with these companies. I mean, it's not every mm -hmm. every company that would just open up their doors and have you, because you know, you know, you're going in there. It's uh, you're you're showing everything. I'm always shocked when people open their doors just to any you know documentary crew or camera crew, but they were really open, and um, they didn't even know at the beginning that the president was involved. So is that right? 
So they just had enormous amount of trust. I think, I mean, I tend to think that if you're like really proud of your company, you kind of want to show it off and you don't feel like you have anything to hide. So that might've been part of it. Um, right. right. Yeah. And you weren't trying to, I mean, you, and that's part of how you identified them, right? You knew you had pl- places that had at least had a relatively good work culture and reputation, you know, because there's, I'm sure uh, plenty of exposés out there about yeah. things that aren't great. Right. I'm but, sure. Yeah. So we wanted to be able to honestly say like, okay, these are companies that we're not like um, actively endorsing, but you know, we feel like they're, they're, we're not, they're not these like evil corporations that are doing bad things. So. Okay. Hey, well, I think that gives us a quick, good time to give our, um, our listeners and viewers a quick early break. So we'll be right back with Caroline Sue, the director of working what we do all day. Uh, the docu-series is released on Netflix on May 17th. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Caroline Sue, the director of Working, What We Do All Day. It's uh, released on Netflix on May 17th. Um, and then the other thing, Caroline, we were talking about, uh, so this making the film and, you know, finding the, uh, the subjects, both in terms of, uh, well, certainly in terms of the companies and the sectors. And then, um, and then I guess that then led you to the, uh, to the individuals that you you follow um but this series literally it takes us up the corporate ladder doesn't it and that was a i thought that was a not not i wasn't necessarily expecting that when i heard it was a a, a series on on work so uh what was the thinking in there and uh uh how did that come about um i think that we realized that you know pers- your perspective on work and the reality of work is so different depending on where you are, what kind of work you do and where you are on the ladder. So we kind of wanted to show different sides of work from, you know, different levels of the same company. And then we thought, you know, the president's also like really interested in the idea of connection. And um, so we wanted to show how people's jobs affected each other, even if they didn't realize it. So there might be someone who, whose job really affects what you do, but mm. um, you don't even necessarily know them. Or have and ever so, met them or anything. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, you never yeah. will maybe. So yeah, yeah. I wanted to show that kind of interconnection. And then also, you know, I think, I mean, one of the pitfalls of doing it that way is that you can kind of, sometimes people who have more are like really easy to demonize over people who have less or, you mm. know, they're, they're kind of easy, um, like facile um judgments you can make when you juxtapose people that way but um we really wanted to try and and not do that and just kind of show kind of like there are certain universal things that everyone goes through Mm. um i I liked how also the things are kind of interweave like a character you meet in episode one maybe as a bit part in episode three, yeah. or, you know, that, that kind of thing, you know, that just it shows there is this kind of inner, uh, this interconnectedness you're, you're talking about. And I guess probably these companies are better for that. It did seem strike me that like the Pierre hotel and, and all of them that seem to be a bit more um, open and in interaction from, 
from senior levels on on and down and, uh, and back up. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, work there for decades. When you have yeah. like a really stable yeah. situation, people then like they really, I mean, it's a cliche, but they really do become family. Because when you work with someone eight hours a day for 30 years, you're going to, you know, yeah. know them really well. Whereas if you, I mean, and that's one of the things like being an Uber driver for Carmen, that's kind of lonely work. You don't ever have right. that, like that culture. I mean, as much as, you know, office culture can be annoying and mm. bad, it can also be great and um, make you feel like you're part of something when it's yeah. good. So. Right, so, I mean, people should check out the, the series. I think it's, it's, it's very fascinating, raises a lot of, um, of issues um, that I think are probably everyone's kind of aware of, but does, we don't often, I mean, I guess that's the other thing. How often do we think about work? We probably think about work way too much <laughs> and we think about it a lot, but we don't necessarily think about it in this way, do we? I never did. I only just thought, I guess, in a self-absorbed way about my own work. I'm like, do right. I like my work? Do I? What do I want to do next? But kind of taking a step back and 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 looking at it, um, I really, I just learn more than I ever have on any project about the world, just about how the world works, and you know. So, so um, what did you learn? What were you not? What were you not expecting? Or what's what has surprised you in doing this project? I think, uh, well, I mean, one very basic thing is like, I knew nothing about the home care industry. And now I feel mm. like, and, you know, knowing how central it will be for all of our lives, how, how you know, most of us will at one point rely on a home care aid mm. at some point, whether for our parents or ourselves mm. or and and how that's like such a bad job, really, how that's a hard job and really mm. poor paid less than McDonald's, a McDonald's worker. Um, that was really sobering. And I think when we were making it, like all of us had had went through some home care related thing in our own lives. Right. Um, that kind of brought that home. Um, and then it just made me really like ask questions like why is like women's work, women's work. And that was a question that came from the president. Like why are some jobs so kind of stubbornly tied mm -hmm. to women? And also, why are those jobs considered unskilled? So it kind of made me just kind of think of the basics. Like, why do we think that factory work is a much more difficult job than, like, taking care of another human being? Right. Um, and then kind of learning that that's for a whole host of reasons, some of which, right. like, date back in time to policies. and Right, right. I mean, I, I, th I, I agree with you, especially on the home care side. I mean, uh, just in my own personal life currently in terms of family members um you know there's we have a well we're i'm encountering home care for the probably the first time and what's a surprise okay. me is yeah so so my father you know and i think it's um it's one of these things where um like for instance my brother tells me well the 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 hospice nurses come in you know and i'm expecting it to be a woman and it's actually a man you know i mean it doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't obviously matter, but you do have these preconceptions of who does what. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are jobs. Um, I mean, those are jobs mostly held by women. Yeah. So it's unusual to have a. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, what does it say about us as a society that we, for whatever reason, we value it so little? Uh, something that is, you know, and I'm, I'm probably everyone, you know, it does come down to, I'm, I'm not saying in our situation, but 
people will say, well, how much is that care going to cost? You know, and can I afford it, right? So I can understand the pressures to keep costs down. But yet, what are we saying? Like you said, that, uh, what, what's the, the really, uh, the, the young woman who ends up talking with President Obama at the end? In the oh, first Randy. Yeah, yeah, Randy, yeah. So she was like, even she could have, what, she could have made more at the chicken plant, right? Or, yeah, you know. the best job in Mississippi for yeah. her. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, yeah, it does make you wonder like where we put our priorities. And also you think of it like we don't think of it as like being the most important role that needs to be like we think, oh, I have to spend this much on rent or this much on food. But like people right. question the cost of spending money on, you know, someone who's like taking care of the people dearest to you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's... um. Uh, I mean, as you said, you know, in working with uh, President Obama, and it, like we said, it raises a lot of issues and these things are happening. I mean, do you have any chats with him? I mean, does, he was obviously president for eight years. I mean, he must have, you know, he, he's, does he have any thoughts about things he might have done differently if he had, you know, if he could go back? I mean, like we all do, I'm sure, in terms yeah, of, you know, it, you know. I would never dare to speak for the president on <laughs> 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 his presidential legacy. Um. He's my favorite president. So, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this is, you know, these are all, you know, for instance, it's like, it's like we're, we spent nine months researching this before we shot anything. Right. But what we came to understand is just like tip of the iceberg compared right. to someone right. who spent like his entire career working on these issues. So, yeah. um, you know, he lives and breathes this stuff and, right. Uh, he said something at the beginning, which I didn't really get. He, when we were, I think the first meeting, he said something about like the luminosity of people. And I'm not a very mm. sentimental person or a very probably poetic person, but um, like, you know, he said, you know, when you go around and you talk to all these people, you realize there's a luminosity to people. And I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if I buy that yeah. for me like, in terms of my perspective, but then when you talk to all these people, you realize that people have so much to say and are yeah. have such clarity in what they think and believe and know yeah. that it's really incredible. I mean, yeah. if someone were to turn the camera on me and just ask me to talk about like, I mean, I would just be a bumbling mess, but like people are so worse. Are, yeah. it, it's just always surprising how articulate people are and how much how they look at things kind of philosophically and yeah i mean everyone i mean and i'm i'm sure it wasn't i mean every everyone that you have in the in the series it certainly fits that bill right and i think um back to the uh, randy it's i found that whole scene in the in the uh, supermarket in the grocery store really interesting because not only is she and, and even leading up to that cause she is philosophical she is you know, she's not seeing this as just a job. She is seeing this as, you know, it's about meaning in her life. What does she want to do and how she wants to help people and things like that. Um, but I thought when she turned it around and asked, I won't go into the answer, but when she asked the president the question, that was quite, you know, we, that was quite poignant. It was. I mean, we were all shocked and just looking at each other yeah. like we can't believe the poise of this yeah, woman to just and he yeah that was one of the great like greatest moments of shooting is that because we didn't ask her to ask him that we just yeah. said oh if you want to ask him some questions you should go ahead 
Right. Right. Um, but yeah, she's an old soul. She has like kind of like wisdom beyond her years and um, away with words. And hmm. I think, I mean, one of my favorite parts of the series is actually in that same episode in the scene in McDonald's when she right. and her friends, one of them is saying like, people say like, what kind of crops do you grow in Mississippi? Like when does she, <laughs> like as if she was a farm, like everyone is a farmer. And she said, I've never planted a crop in my life. Like that people, and then Randy says something like, oh, if you can Google it, basically you can know yeah. anything, you can live anywhere and know anything. Right, and that is, right. you know, we have these like, I mean, I live in New York city, so yeah. I have biases probably about other parts of the country knowing exactly. certain things, but like people, wherever you live, yeah. Yeah. What I love about that story too is that she'd gone to Missouri and they said, Oh, you guys yeah. <laughs> and you probably most of your friends in New York think, well, Missouri, Mississippi, it's you know, what crops do they grow in Missouri is what they're yeah. thinking, you know. But uh no, I think it's it's this kind of is it a leveling up or is it a leveling down? But yes, you're right. Everyone's got uh you know, at at our at our fingertips, you know. Yeah. Even the work, working poor have most likely have a smartphone, you know, so they've got this little mini computer in their hand and they've got that, at, you know, that, uh, which could be quite a, quite a uh, liberating thing, actually, in some ways. Yeah, it's also, I mean, actually, this, we kind of tried to hint at this in the series um, in episode two a little bit, mm -hmm. but um, one of the things that President Obama said is like that because of Instagram, for instance, you can see like all these fabulous lives. There's that, yeah. Of people and it makes, and everyone can see it. Yeah. So yeah. that has an effect. Yeah. Uh, you know, like people feel like they should be living like Jay-Z and if you're not, then like, who are you? <laughs> well, exactly, and we all do it. And the thing is, I wasn't even on Facebook till a couple of years ago. I had to do it for this job actually, but, uh, I then started, you know, finding old friends and things, and I was just like, oh, my God, look at these lives. They're, everything's perfect, you know? They've, oh, yeah, I can't you know, go on Instagram, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, why is my daughter not eating organic kale for breakfast? Yeah. It just makes you question all of your choices in life. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, speaking of choices in life and things, I mean, what is... You're talking about things. We were talking about things you've learned from the series, and what people, when they see this, what they'll what they'll find out about. Well, just maybe give everyone pause for thought about where we are and where things are headed with with how we spend the vast majority of our days. But uh, you know, f are there lessons here to be learned for the doc documentary industry? You know, in terms of working conditions and things like that. You know. Well, that's a big, that's in the news a lot these days. I mean, I yeah. think, um, you know, I mean, the series isn't my, like, personal platform <laughs> for my ideas I'm trying right. to channel. Right. But at the same time, you know, I think some of, like, um, some things that really hit home were, like, the beauty of work not to be too cheesy but like you right. you know when someone does something incredibly well no matter mm -hmm. what it is there's a beauty to it and it kind of reaffirms your like faith in mm -hmm. humanity like even right. if someone like you're getting a coffee and someone is just really on it or you know we worked with this incredible crew kind of we tried to work with the same crew and and all on all of the shoots just to, for the intimacy and mm. 
know, just when we were shooting with the president, just seeing how, I mean, these are people who are always on top of their game, every shoot, every day, because in our industry, you have to be because you get hired, you know, right. If you don't, if you have a bad uh, experience with someone, you're not going to hire them again, but it makes you, it make you, makes you kind of like, um, like in a Richard scary way, see all these people around <laughs> you who are doing their work and just like appreciate the like integrity of it when people are doing it well and we all have our functions and yeah. if someone doesn't do something it can affect everyone else and i love the richard scary reference it's the first one on any of our episodes but i was a huge fan when i was a kid so thank you for for doing that um but i mean yeah you know it's an industry where like even in one of the episodes is it the second one i think you know you're dr they're driving around pittsburgh and they're talking about what lives used to be like you know and you know, I, you know, we're we're still in a. Um, I hear what you're saying about. I completely agree. Um, I'm, you know, the whole world would fall over and not function if people, if if you know, we it's just all this trust we have in all our fellow humans that we're all going to do our jobs to the best of our ability, or at least try. Um, some don't, but most of us do, I think. But uh, but even like you know, it was an era where you know they talked about well. In this case, back in that time, it would have been mostly fathers, but fathers coming home and having time in the evenings to pitch baseballs with their sons and, you know, and not just documentary, but all industry. We're working just such long hours. And I know yeah. we throw ourselves into it, but at the same time, you know, if, I don't know what can be done about that, but it does, it's one of these things that if we could just, we're constantly on the clock, it seems like. Yeah, I think that's one thing, at least for me and some people I know, like COVID really changed that a little bit. It kind of made mm -hmm. you pause and think like, okay, I'm like, what is the purpose of all of this? And what do I really want? And what's important? I think, um, I mean, for those of us who could, who weren't like frontline workers, who could have that kind of moment of like, okay, reassessing. Um, you know, for, we talked a lot about like, okay, the great resignation, is that something we should be addressing? Mm. Um, or working from home, but um, I think we've, anyway, it didn't seem like the great resignation was really truly a thing. And that working from home was something that really only a small portion of people really could do. A lot of people just had to go to work the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think, yeah, it's interesting about the great resignation because it is just so if listeners don't know what we're talking about. It was, it's, it's, Sorry, yeah, it's, I veered you know, off. A, no, no, no. It's just that all these people, a lot of people have left the job for, it's not just in the U.S., but certainly in the U.S., a lot of people left the workforce sort of permanently. There's that, and also people were res resigning and moving jobs very quickly. And so you have all these, in theory, technically you have all these job openings, but you still also have a lot of people that are out of work. So, you know, it's kind of a hard one to explain. And I think uh, it's, it's, you didn't need to go there. You'll have a, there are, economists are writing about it and trying to figure out what's happened, but no well, one people, really knows. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people would become home care workers if they were better jobs, probably. You know, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of jobs that people don't want to do because they're poorly yeah. paid. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there is also like a big generational thing that was one of the biggest things. I learned about is how different it is, how people, younger people right. uh, tend to look at work differently and, and expect more from their jobs than say I did when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I think that's a good point that's made. I think the, the president says that it's uh, 
even the you know people in their first job are looking for the meaning in that yeah job. exactly yeah and uh. and some of us and probably maybe we're of a generation that was looking for meaning eventually or hoping to find meaning but you also knew <laughs> exactly. that you yeah. needed to pay the bills and then you had uh, you know our parents generation or whatever who were like uh well, you just got to get a job. <laughs> you just have to provide for your family, you know, yeah. and, and thinking less about that. So it is interesting, but I don't think it's necessarily, it's probably, it's it's good that they're thinking that way, I would say. Yeah, I think, I mean, I at least would have a knee-jerk reaction, which is like, you know, when I was coming up, well. I had to do this and this. <laughs> but when you really like kind of open your mind to it, you're you kind of are thinking like, yeah, work should be you should be able to be your full self at work. Mm. Not kind of cowering under, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Be yourself. But I guess it's uh you know, if if I'm gonna be the uh play uh sort of the old man in the room, I, I'm gonna say that uh, but or whatever job you're in, try to find the meaning in it, I guess is another way That's of looking good. at it. I'm gonna use that. Next time I have to, uh, I'm talking to a disgruntled um, production assistant. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, let's see how far you get with that one. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did not find meaning in all of the work that I did when I was younger. Yeah, no. And my p parents pushed me into jobs that I was like, oh my God, I never want to do this again. And, you know, I mean, thank, <laughs> and thank goodness. Oh, I worked uh, one of my first summer jobs to get me through college was working for the highway department um so yeah it was what my did that mean like roadkill i had to pick up roadkill i had to bury it i've had to i've had to put tarmac down in the uh in the hot texas sun i've had to you know the good days were when you got to ride around in a truck and put highway signs up and things like that but uh you know so it was supposed to i think my dad said i would write about it someday um I haven't, but uh, but there were certainly a lot of characters that I encountered uh, in that work. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it gives you an appreciation for what a lot mm -hmm. of people. I mean, I I had the luxury that it was three months in a, a year for yeah. four, four years or something, and there were people that, there were people there who had been there thirty something years, right? You know, and so, and their perspective, they're always like, oh, you're, you're a college boy. At least you, you know, you're going to get a job in an air-conditioned office someday. And that was their, that was their dream job, you know, that they wouldn't have to be out. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a different perspective, certainly, that we don't always have. I mean, that, that's one of the things that, um, sorry, like, I have to put my computer in that, um, you know, like all of the service jobs. Right. That's one thing we learned. They're all like the are hard on your body. Mm. Mm. Like a lot of the worst paid jobs are like physically laborious and take a toll on you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And then I've, I mean, I've had, I've got some, some teenagers and they're doing sort of, you know, again, service jobs to, just, uh, and it's, it's interesting to hear when they come home and what they have to say about it and, complaining about how how their feet hurt because they've been standing all day and things like that. So, um, you know, it's... Um, anyway, we're not here to... No, but that's what it's kind know. of all about. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. And what's... So what's... Speaking of work and, and back to you, Caroline, what is... Uh, so, so what's next for you? Are you in terms of projects? 
So I am working, I'm finishing um, a, another a feature doc, which I don't think I can talk about yet. Um, okay. That's something totally different, totally different style. I never like to do the same thing twice. So, um, uh, and then, yeah. And then, I mean, this honestly was so demanding on all yeah. levels for so many years that I just, I need to take a little break from work and to kind of reassess what, what, what the meaning in my work will be. Um, so. Well, I think that's a, a good bit of advice and I, I uh, wish you well with that. And uh, whatever you do end up doing or can, or when you can tell us, we'd love to have you on again. Um, so if we haven't scared you off, so just to remind our listeners and viewers, we've been talking with Caroline Sue, the director of Working, What We Do All Day, released on Netflix on May 17th. So Caroline, thank you again. So, uh, pleasure to chat with you. You too. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Factual America. If you did, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. I would also like to thank those who make this podcast possible. A big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who makes sure we continue getting great guests onto the show and everything runs smoothly. And finally, a big thanks to you, our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. This is Factual America. Signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.